You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Hope smiles confidently when no one is laughing. Hope reaches for answers when no one is asking. Hope presses towards victory when no one is encouraging. Hope dares to give when no one is sharing. And hope brings victory when no one is winning. I like that. I'm here to tell you, Christians, to take courage. I'm here to tell you, Christians, take courage because Jesus is our hope. When you need strength when you're weak to do what God calls you to do, or you need encouragement when you're in the valleys of life, your hope in Christ is what can carry you through the best. Pastor Dave's going to remind you today that the first place you should look in any situation you come across is to God. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 23 as he begins his message, Take Courage. We're making great headway. We're barreling through lickety split. Today we're going to do one verse. That's chapter 23, verse 11. Acts 23, looking at verse 11 in chapter 23. So if you've turned there, but the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. So let me ask you a question. When you're in a bad spot, when you're in a bad way and you're having all kinds of difficulty with your circumstances, now I know most of you don't do that and don't have those problems, but if you're in a bad way and you're in a bad spot and you're having difficulty with your circumstances, do you kind of dwell on your circumstances? I mean, do they overwhelm you to the point of anxiety? Do they kind of fall on you like a great big anvil? Or, Or do you look for something better down the road? You look for something better down the road. Hang on a minute. There's a great story about a football game that was being played in Badger Stadium in 1982 in Madison, Wisconsin. Two big team, two, yeah, I can do this. Two Big Ten teams were playing in front of more than 60,000 fans. The home team was losing badly. But out of the clear blue, something strange happened during timeouts. When a timeout came, the entire stand stood up and they started cheering and screaming and yelling and loud with excitement. What's that all about? Well, it appears that many of those in the stadium were listening to another game on the radio. They were listening to a game that was being broadcast from some 70 miles away, and they were listening to the Milwaukee Brewers beat the St. Louis Cardinals in game three of the World Series in 1982. Their team on the field were losing, but they were tuned in to something better down the road. They were tuned in to something better down the road, and that which they were tuned in to was giving them hope. It was giving them something to cheer about. Now, dare I say the Christian life is like that today. 
our Christian life that we live in this world where our circumstances may be bad at times and even look like we're going to lose the battle. We must be tuned in to something better down the road. We must be tuned in to the source because we will not lose the war. We have hope. We must place our hope in the one, capital O, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever think according to the power that works within us. Now, I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, where Paul says, for our light affliction, I like that, light affliction, is but for a moment, I like that, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. I like that. This is what our hope is all about. This is what our hope is. We're tuned into something better. We're tuned into that which gives us hope. What does that hope do for us? Well, a gentleman by the name of John Maxwell wrote this poem, and it's entitled, Think on These Things. And he said the following, Hope shines brightest when the hour is darkest. Hope motivates when discouragement comes. Hope energizes when the body is tired. Hope sweetens while bitterness bites. Hope sings when all melodies are gone. Hope believes when evidence is eliminated. Hope listens for answers when no one is talking. Hope climbs over obstacles when no one is helping. Hope endures hardship when no one is caring. Hope smiles confidently when no one is laughing. Hope reaches for answers when no one is asking. Hope presses towards victory when no one is encouraging. Hope dares to give when no one is sharing. And hope brings victory when no one is winning. I like that. I'm here to tell you, Christians, to take courage. I'm here to tell you, Christians, take courage because Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. And I believe that this is something the Apostle Paul learned from experience. And I think it's something we need to learn from experience also. We need to learn from experience that Christ is our hope. Nay, I say, he is our only hope. In today's text, we see and find the Apostle Paul once again discouraged, defeated, without hope just like he was after he left Athens. Remember, we talked about that when he left Athens, how discouraged he was. Paul's discouragement, though, at this time, must have been an all-time high. It must have been or an all-time low. It was even worse than when he came out of Athens because the commentator Hughes calls this the low ebb of Paul's ministry. Paul's greatest desire was to go to Jerusalem. He wanted to witness to his fellow countrymen, the Jews. That was his greatest desire. He wanted so badly to see his countrymen saved and to be brought into the kingdom of God. He was even willing to give up his own salvation that they would come in. He was even willing to die for them to know Christ. Paul was so sure of himself. He was so sure that he was supposed to go to Jerusalem that he even resisted the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He even resisted the advice of his friends who were led by the Holy Spirit and tried to persuade him not to go. But he went and he got there. And after three riots, almost being scourged by the Roman soldiers, a trial where he insulted the high priest and divided the council, 
He is a prisoner in a dark cell awaiting who knows what, possibly execution. Was anything accomplished because everything that Paul did in Jerusalem seemed to fail? It seemed to fail and fall flat. I'm sure Paul was second-guessing himself. Maybe they were right. Maybe I shouldn't have come. I can't believe I insulted the high priest. What was I thinking? What kind of witness was that? I'm through. I'm a failure, Lord. I'm sorry. How, how can I make such a mistake? How can you trust me in any further ministry? I can't even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and differentiate between that and my own desires. How can you use me any longer? Has anybody ever felt like that? I have. I've felt like that many times. Maybe I've made a bad choice. Maybe I've said something wrong. Maybe I had an opportunity to witness to someone, maybe a family member. Maybe you've tried something that you thought the Lord was showing you to do and you fell flat on your face. How can the Lord ever use me again? I'm through. And you start to drift off into state of self-pity. And then you start having a pity party and woe is me. I'm going to go outside and eat worms and die. And you have your pity party. You see, discouragement is one of the favorite weapons of our enemy. Oh, he loves to discourage you. He loves to take your nose and rub it into every single one of your mistakes. He loves to do that. He wants to get your eyes off the prize of Jesus Christ and the hope of eternal life. And he wants you to look at your circumstances. He wants you to look at the hurt you're going through or look at the people who hurt you or the people you hurt. Take courage, Christian. Take courage, Christian. Why do we take our eyes off of Christ in the midst of hard times? In the midst of hard times, the first thing you want to get rid of is fellowship. In the midst of hard times, the first thing you say is, I'm not going to church. I don't want to go to church. You know, our buddy Peter, everybody likes to talk about Peter. Sometimes he gets a bad rap. But you know, Peter was pretty cool. You remember when he's walking on water? Every time, when he stepped out of the boat that time and he walked on water, and as long as he had his eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, he was fine. He walked on water. But all of a sudden, he looked down, he saw the waves lapping at his feet, and he felt the wind. He took his eyes off Christ, put his eyes on the circumstances. <gasps> he sank. Take courage, Christian. Take courage, Christian. Paul's sitting in his cell. Was he trying to figure out God's plan? I don't know about you, but I'm always trying to figure out God's plan. I'm always trying to figure out, God, what are you up to? I think it should work this way. I think it should work that way. This is what I think. Was Paul thinking about what the Lord told Ananias in Acts 9, 15? When the Lord told Ananias, but the Lord said to him, Ananias, go for he, Paul, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Was Paul arguing with the Lord? Lord, you told me that I was going to be a witness to the Gentiles. I did that and look at the fruit. Lord, you told me I was going to be a witness to the Jews. I did that and it didn't turn out so well. I guess I'll never be a witness to kings. I guess I blew that. My ministry is over. They're probably going to come any minute and cut my head off. Or did Paul replay the events in his mind? I know you've never done that, but I have a habit of replaying all the bad things in my mind over and over of the things I've done. I replay all these bad events. I, 
was Paul arguing with himself. The church leaders lied about me. Yeah, they did. They lied about me. And where are they? Not one of them came to my defense. And those crazy fanatics, those legalist Judaizers, everywhere I go, there they are. Riot after riot after riot. And they want to kill me. Why? Why won't they believe, Lord? Why won't they believe? And the Roman government, they don't know what to do with me. One minute they want to scourge me, and the next minute they're my best friends. I don't understand what's going on. Have you ever felt completely alone? Have you ever felt like, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord has left the building? Have you ever felt like that? It can get really, really dark in times of discouragement, and you can slide off the end into a depression. You can slide off the end into despair like that in a heartbeat. But this is when the Lord comes. This is when the Lord comes right to be beside you. When you're at your weakest point, when you can't take a single more, he shows up. When you can't take one more minute, one more part of agony, he shows up in your life somehow, some way. Just when things are darkest, the Lord appears. What did the psalmist say in Psalm 30, verse 9? Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. When that morning light comes up, there's joy. The Lord appears to the Apostle Paul, and he gives him hope. The Lord appears in person this time. Remember, the last time he had a dream. He had a trance or a vision. This time the Lord is physically there. He's physically beside the Apostle. It's so much our, like our Lord to appear in the midst of our darkest circumstances. As I said, he appears just when you need him most. He wants us to focus on him and not our circumstances, for he is our hope. The Lord loves to encourage his saints. He loves to help them stand strong in the face of adversity. That's what he loves to do. So now the Lord appears to Paul in a Jerusalem cell. And as I look at this one verse, I can glean from it four things. I can glean from it four things. How the Lord encouraged the apostle. The first thing I see is the Lord's timing. The Lord's timing. As we look at verse 11, it says, the following night. It's interesting to me that the NASB version says, on the night immediately following, and they give emphasis to the word immediately, and I think that's cool because, it, to me, it means there's an urgency there. The Lord knew he had to get there. The Lord knew he would be there. He knew how rejected the apostle was. He knew that he was slipping into depression. The Lord knew that he wasn't finished with Paul, too. He knew he still had work for Paul to do. He wanted to get him down the road. He wanted to take his eyes and tune them into something better. He wanted to get his eyes on something else. Some of you may ask, why did the Lord wait so long to appear to the Apostle Paul? You might even ask that in your own life. Lord, why do you wait so long to come to me? Well, I think he's testing your faith. I think he lets you get to a point, and then he shows up. During the dark times when we're waiting for the Lord, he comes at just the right time. Guzik says, Jesus knew exactly where Paul was. He had not lost sight of Paul because he was in jail. See, God knows where you are at all times. God hasn't lost track of any of you. He knows exactly where you are. He doesn't misplace you. Where's Dave? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, let's see. Not like me. I misplace everything. We've said this before that God's timing is perfect. It's never early. He's never late. He's right on time. The Lord comes at our lowest point, and he comes with encouragement. He says, take courage, Christian. Take courage. Second thing I see is the Lord stood by him. The Lord came and stood by Paul. 
The psalmist wrote in 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. His presence is the help in time of trouble. He came and stood by Paul, and that made all the difference in the world. Maybe you've had this experience. Maybe you haven't. You've been going through a very difficult time. You've been going through a tremendous amount of pressure. There's a difficult time. I don't know what it is, but you've been praying. You've been praying, and in your prayer, or somebody calls you, or you go to a verse or something, and all of a sudden, this enormous, immense peace washes over you. That's the presence of the Lord. That's the presence of the Lord saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here to guide you through this. As we follow Christ, he stands beside us. It was Christ's presence that made that dungeon light up. It was the presence of Jesus Christ because Christ is the light in the midst of darkness. Christ is the hope in the midst of gloom. And Christ is the joy in the midst of sadness. He's all those things to us. When we comprehend just how close he is to us, we become like Paul, revived, restored, and refreshed. Ready to face the next obstacle. Jesus came and stood by Paul when Paul felt deserted. When Paul felt he was all alone, the Lord was with him. David in Psalm twenty-two, eleven said, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. When everyone else deserts you and everybody else fails you, the Lord never will. He will always be there for you. We know from Hebrews 13, 5, he will never leave us nor forsake us. So we see the Lord's timing, perfect. His presence is an encouragement. And the next thing we see is the Lord encouraging through his word. Yes, there is encouragement through the word of God. And if you're depressed, if you're struggling, you need to turn to the word of God. You need to turn to see what God says about your struggles. See what God wants to get you out of your struggles. Look at the Lord's words. Be of good cheer. Jesus, I'm hurting here. I'm really having a difficult time here, and you're telling me to be of good cheer? I'm, I'm really hurting. He says, be of good cheer. But the Greek word actually is only one word. It's tarsheo, and it describes someone as taking courage. In fact, a lot of translations translate it as take courage. Take courage, Paul. Can you imagine what this did for the apostle? Here he is in a dark Roman cell. He's depressed. Things haven't been going the way he planned. He's thinking he's failed, thinking he's left, let the Lord down. And the Lord himself comes, stands by him and says, take courage. Be of good cheer. Wow. Looking back through the gospel, we see that the Lord uses these words four times. Be of good cheer or take courage. To the man with palsy in Matthew 9, 2. To the woman who suffered the issue of blood in Matthew 9, 22. He called out to the disciples in the midst of the storm in Matthew 14, 27. And he repeats it to the disciples in the upper room in John 16, 33. The Lord meets us right where we are, just as he did Paul. When I was a, a, a new Christian, and I was studying the word of God, and I was dealing with some sin, because I thought when you became a Christian, you wouldn't sin. And I had been dealing with a sin issue. It was right there in my life, and I couldn't understand what was going on. And I had been praying for a long, long time about this sin, and I didn't know what to do about it. And I kept on praying, and I kept on praying. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was supposed to read and look up, be of good cheer. And I basically said the same thing that I said Paul, that, that Paul just said. Lord, I'm dealing with sin here. How can I be cheerful about sin? He said, be of good cheer. So I got my concordance out, and I started looking at it, and I came to Matthew 9, 22. I mean, excuse me, 9, 2. 
9.2. It's when he's dealing with the man of palsy. Do you know that it's the only place in the four times when Jesus says, be of good cheer, that he follows with, with your sins are forgiven? What was I dealing with? I was dealing with a sin issue. And when I read that, my heart soared. It's like, wow, you can speak to me through your word. You can show me. See, as children of the Most High God, we can always be assured that at times of difficulty, no matter how great, we can take courage because the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. We have his word on it. We see this throughout the Old Testament with, with Israel, and we see it throughout the New Testament. So we have encouragement through the Lord's timing. We have encouragement through the Lord's presence. We have encouragement through the word of the Lord. And finally, we see encouragement through his blessings. He says, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must testify of me in Rome. It's interesting here what the Lord doesn't say. What's missing from this verse that the Lord doesn't say? Paul, you blew it. Paul, phew. You didn't do it very well, pal. I see no rebuke from the Lord. I see no rebuke from the Lord. Instead, the Lord commends him. He commends it. Paul, you have testified for me in Jerusalem. He didn't say, boy, what a mess you made. I told you not to go, but no, you wanted to go anyhow. He didn't say any of that. He says, you've completed the task I've sent you. You were my witness in Jerusalem. Now I'm going to give you another task. What's that, Lord? I'm going to send you to Rome. Rome? Gee, the psalmist really must have known what he was talking about when he said, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart because it was Paul's desire to go to Rome. It was Paul's desire to go to Rome. This should be so encouraging to us as Christians. It's so be encouraging because when we do witness, when we, when we come out and we make witness for Christ and we try to witness to others about Jesus' love and it's not received, the Lord is pleased with our witness because we're not responsible how people receive the message. We're responsible to deliver the message. We're responsible to deliver that message. This must have been so reaffirming to Paul. This must have erased all doubts, all second guessing. And he must have been tremendously encouraging. Lord, I'm going to Rome. So probably after the longest, darkest, hardest night of Paul's Christian life, when his heart was aching, he was physically a wreck, emotionally a wreck, spiritually drained, Paul now has newness in life. He has been completely restored. The Lord has given him new courage, new hope. He's given him a renewed faith, a new call, Rome, a new zeal, a new drive. Paul's saying, let's go, Lord, I'm ready. Let's go on this next adventure. I like Oswald Chambers. I read him quite often. I, I try to read him every day. One of his devotions this week he says this, quote, faith must be tested because it can only become your intimate possession through conflict. What is challenging your faith right now? The test will either prove your faith right or destroy it. Believe steadfastly on the promises of Christ and everything that challenges you will strengthen your faith. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. There is continually testing in the life of faith up to the point of our own physical death, which itself is the last great test. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out AssureHopeRadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at AssureHopeRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Assure Hope.